This is a podcast from Partnerships for Wellbeing. Hello and welcome to Ways to Wellbeing, the number one podcast coming out of Well Street in Inverness, the home of Partnerships for Wellbeing. Yes, and as far as we know, the only podcast to come out of Well Street in Inverness. <laughs> well, thank you, Nicola McKenzie, for it is she. No problem, Jeff Sidensky. For it is me. Now, this week, if you're interested in walking and writing. But not necessarily simultaneously. We have a great guest lined up, but before that... You know, before that, I think we should talk about ourselves for a couple of minutes. Why not? Our favourite topic. Yeah, because we've been on the telly. We have. And we've been in the papers. We have. It's been uh, the story of the shortage of wheelchair accessible taxis has been picked up by the BBC. Yes. Isla Todd from the BBC covered it for television and for BBC Radio Scotland. And, you know, I think people were genuinely shocked at the figures that she produced that show um, how few wheelchair accessible taxis there are in Inverness uh, compared to the central bank. There are only nine wheelchair accessible taxis for the whole of Inverness compared to 1,400 in Glasgow for example and to make matters worse they're mostly booked up for contract work in the Highland Capital and it's luck of the draw if one is available to book. It's left people like Catherine stranded in the city centre. And it might be a coincidence. Might be. But we've just received funding, £2,000, from the Arnold Clark Community Fund. Thank you, Arnold Clark. And that's on the back of another £2,000 that we received from the Albert Hunt Fund. Which is a charity which helps disabled people. Yeah. So thank you to both. Both of those will just help keep the running costs of the car, you know, the insurance, the fuel. Yeah, keeps it on the road. Yeah. Now, speaking of wee bits of money, our very own Cheery Book Club has had recognition from none other than the Scottish Book Trust, who've really? given us just a wee bit of money to, so that we can take part in Scottish Book Week later in the year. Ah, so, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you, Scottish Book Trust, too. And speaking of books, that leads us nicely to this week's podcast guest. He's an author. He's a walker. He is going to tell us about hot tenting, isn't he? Hot tenting. Which I can't is wait. as steamy as it sounds. I hope so. <laughs> And that guest is uh, John Burns, and he joins us now. Hello, John. Hello. Hello, how are you? All right, and you're not far away from us, are you? I'm, I'm just around the corner from you. I'm in Gilbert Street. Yeah, which is, uh, well, for me, it's a five-minute walk. For you, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, and you're, you've got another close connection with us, I believe, as well, uh, with Partnership for, for Wellbeing. Yes, uh, quite a few years ago, I used to work as your walking groups organiser. Oh, ah. wow. Did you like it? Yeah, it was great. I got to meet, meet a lot of great people and go all over the Highlands walking. When it can't really be about a job, that can it really? No. <laughs> we'll tell Kate, our, our current walks manager, Kate, we'll tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you began walking quite young, didn't you? Yeah, I suppose it was when I left school that, uh, or I was still at school, really. I went to the Lake District. I come from Merseyside originally, and, and I don't know if you know Merseyside, but it's a pretty built-up industrial area, really. And um, when I was in the final year at school, uh, the, the, the uh, teachers took us all on a walking holiday in the Lake District. And I, and I, I sort of couldn't believe what an open, wonderful countryside it was. And I, I, to be quite honest, I've, been, I've sort of been hooked on walking ever since, really. Oh, brilliant. Do you know, I, I love the Lake District, uh, except the only thing is, I remember I went there with my family when they were quite young, and we loved it, and there's a whole Beatrix Porter thing going on and all of that, and why you should never say Lake Windermere, you should just say Windermere. <laughs> um, 
But I remember my wife and I were sitting uh, at Windermere and it was so busy, you know, so busy with tourists. And we said, do you know, this is not as nice as the Highlands. <laughs> Why have we come? But I'm glad we did. It was lovely. Yeah. And you did the opposite, didn't you, uh, John? You ended up here. Yes, I moved to, to Inverness to, to really to enjoy the hills up here. I was into did a lot of climbing and walking. I was in a mountain rescue team. It was it was kind of my life. It still is in, in many ways, although what I do is slightly different now. Any hairy incidents? Um, oh, I think uh, well, I, I think most of our, our our incidents really were 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 big searches in the Cairngorms. Cairngorms is a huge area, as I'm sure you know. And looking for a person, a, a one person is a very small thing to find in uh, an area yeah. the size of the Cairngorms. So we we did quite a lot of um, of searches for folks there. And uh, I suppose I suppose you know if you if one of those well, the weird things is you you, know, you you get picked up by a helicopter somewhere and dumped in the middle of a uh, a blizzard on the top of a mountain mm. and that's it's quite a strange thing at first it takes, a, it takes a bit of getting used to that sort of thing so it was it was you know it's a really worthwhile thing and uh, and and you know it's a, one of the you know we've I've found quite a few groups of people who are missing and that sort of thing and that that that's great because obviously you know it's pretty distressing not to know where you are and uh, and bringing people back to safety um it takes a lot of effort but it was a great thing to do Oh, brilliant. And it's fair to say the walking experience is uh, the inspiration behind your book, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, my first book, to be quite honest, um, I, I, I was I thought I would say goodbye to the hills. You know, I've been walking and climbing for over 40 years and uh, I got to the stage where I wanted to take up writing. And I, I thought in those days that that writers didn't go into the outdoors. It wasn't something you did. <laughs> so so what I did was I thought, well, I, 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 but I couldn't sort of walk away, you know. So I kind of I wrote. The Last Hill Walker, which is a, a memoir of 40 years of, of, of various accidents and uh, catastrophes that I had while I was walking and exploring the Highlands. Uh, so I tried to cover the, the high points and, and the low points, I guess. And what I tried to write, with, what I think I did write with the, with the Last Hill Walker really was a kind of book about my generation of walkers, you know, how we experienced things, how we started off with very primitive gear and, and, and found our way into the hills. So it was about that kind of, it was really about the inspiration I found in the hills. And the strange thing was really that, uh, you know, if you write any book, really, it, it changes you as a person. It's, it's an experience and it's a journey. And I found that my, my by writing the book, I, I kind of relived uh, my life in the hills. And actually that, that, that sort of rekindled my interest. And I've been walking ever since, really. Oh, brilliant. You know, I find everybody's into walking now. Um, is there an element of, well, for goodness sake, I was doing this long before you, you know? <laughs> um, bit, everybody else has got your idea. And Well, not really, yeah. because I think what's happened is, it's quite. <clears throat> I wrote The Last Hill Walker because I, I, I'd been uh, out of hill walking for a couple of years and I came back into it. And this is about 10, maybe 12 years ago now. And what I noticed was actually there were not a lot of young people walking. It seemed to be a pursuit mainly for people like me, retired or semi-retired. And a lot of the places that I'd known when I was younger, full of people of a, 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 a generation in the 20s and 30s, weren't there anymore. So I, I, I'm part of the sort of theory 
of of the last hill walker was that that this my generation of hill walkers would be the last but i'm really pleased to say that over the last 10 years things have changed dramatically and i think uh, they you'll find the hills full of younger people now uh, i think partly i think because of what happened over the covid pandemic um, there wasn't a lot else you could do but one but a lot of people discovered the outdoors and in it, I think what's also great is, is that young people uh, who are coming out into the outdoors now aren't doing the same sort of things that we used to do. People are cycling, they're uh, kayaking, they're doing all kinds of different activities. You can get, there's, gra there's about, there's gravel bikes, people are what they call fast packing, which is very lightweight, weight backpacking. People are, people are running. And there's a lot, so there's been a, a massive explosion and particularly in things like lightweight camping and going out and enjoying the hills so actually i think the hills are probably as busy as they ever were now and i'll probably be enjoyed by a new generation which which i think is fantastic and another new trend on the hills is this thing called hot tenting now i've never heard of hot tenting so you're gonna to have to tell me a bit more about it all oh, right okay okay well this is this is this is my my badly kept secret i suppose um hot tenting well let me tell you how I got into it in the first first place, really. Um, my, one of my great joys in the hills is to visit mountain bothies. Um, well, I, I guess I've got a bit slower over the last few years in my, in my wanderings of the hills, but I enjoy taking my time now. I enjoy spending time in the mountains, and particularly spending overnight. You kind of see different things. You see different aspects of the hills. You see more wildlife that way. Um, and so what I really enjoy uh, and still enjoy is is staying in, in mountain bothies, which are very basic shelters up in the hills. They're, they're like they've got no no running water, um, no electricity, no heating, anything like that. It's a bit like going back to the 15th century, basically. And uh, so I like going to those places, but obviously they were closed in the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to find a different way of exploring the highlands. And I came across you know, a hot tent is essentially mainly comes from a, a, a sort of Scandinavian design. It's a bit like a teepee, a bit like the uh, Native Americans used to use. And the big thing that a, 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 a hot tent has got, obviously, is a stove. Uh, a wood burning oh. stove and that's the thing that makes it hot <laughs> obviously <laughs> that's where the, that's where the word hot comes from and the great thing about that is it enables me uh, and anyone really you can spend you can you can go and camp uh, in in the winter all year round wow. um, and the great thing also about having a stove is um, as opposed to sort of lightweight camping is that if you get wet your clothes get wet or you get soaked you can dry yourself out and keep going yeah, so, yeah, so they're great now, excuse me for asking the obvious question <laughs> you put a stove inside a tent are you not going to a set it on fire <laughs> or choke to death on smoke fumes? <laughs> okay okay that's a that's a very good question something that puzzled me for a while basically you, you've got a wood burning stove the wood burning stove has a chimney that passes up out outside of the tent, so it vents outside. There's no smoke in the tent at all. And what it has is essentially um, a, a heat dispenser, a mesh contraption. And what that does is it disperses the heat so it doesn't set fire to the tent. Um, uh, and so that, that works really well. I mean, how hot does it get? I mean, you mentioned Scandinavia. If we talk about you can be naked inside that tent 
and then out in the snow afterwards. Uh, I've never actually tried that, but I'm sure you could. I'm it's sure the way you my could. mind goes. I can see where you're, the way your mind's working. Yes. Um, to be quite honest, within the tent, um, being cold is never an issue because, as you say, in Scandinavia, it can be minus 20, minus 30. So actually, the, the problem with a hot tent, to be honest, is that it tends to be too hot rather than too oh, cold. Wow. Um, so I've been out in minus 10, minus 12, um, in a T-shirt in the tent, and it's warm. Uh, there's no problem with that at all. I must tell you a kind of tangential story here, <laughs> John. My son and I used to go camping. Nothing as exotic as wild camping, you know, to, to camping <laughs> sites with a Tesco tent, that kind of thing, you know. And we went too early in the season one year. We went March when it was still absolutely bitterly all cold. Right. We went, you know, where did we go? Um uh, kind of just just about an hour north of here, and uh, it got so cold we could not get warm at all. Oh! And about two in the morning, we ran to the toilet block. That tells you how civilized it was. <laughs> uh, for to, and it was still cold in there, so we took turns pressing the hand dryer for the toilets and putting hot air <laughs> up our sleeves. Oh, you know, and <laughs> and, I, and I think we paused the campaign again for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> you needed to get on the hot hot tent. No, I know. I'll phone him up. I say we we just take a wood stove. And that's what <laughs> <laughs> now, John, we're relatively new to the podcast world, but you have your own podcast, don't you? Yeah. Again, it, it, it kind of started um, during the pandemic. Um, I make a podcast called Outside In, and I began. It began as a way, really, I couldn't get out. I couldn't meet people. I couldn't do anything. I thought, well, I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll find a way of, of, of talking to people and bringing people's ideas in, in, and their experiences to a wider audience, really to the outdoor community. And so I started by interviewing mountaineers and people who'd written books about mountaineering and naturalists. And I don't know how many I've made now. I've been about probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 now oh, and interviewed hi. It interviewed some of the most famous mountaineers in the world, without doubt, um, and, and, and talked to them about their lives and, and been able to get that to a wider public. And I thought I'd give in after I give up after the pandemic. But now things have quietened down in terms of the virus. And I think I think I'll keep going because it's, 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 it's a nice way of um, getting an audience and talking to people as 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 you know, you, you found out yourselves. Yeah. Yes, it becomes addictive, I think. Yes, I think so. <laughs> it does. So yeah, where, yeah. Where, where can we find your podcast in all the usual podcast places? Um, I, 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 yeah, well, best way to find it is to go to johndburns.com. That's my website. And uh, you'll find it somewhere in there in that website there. Um, <laughs> And, and, and in various places scattered across the internet, although um, I've never quite mastered get, promoting the website properly. <laughs> but no, but we, it's, it's good. We did look at your website and we discovered a few other things about you. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, also performed on stage as well, haven't you? Including oh, I, 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 I like to keep that quiet. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed. Um, I, I, well, I've written and performed two one-man plays and then I really came, uh, I wanted to, 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 to have a way of performing up, up in the Highlands. So I produced a, a one-man play about Alistair Crowe, Lydia Cultist, who was also a very um, uh, accomplished mountaineer. Um, and I, I performed a, a play about um, George Mallory, 
the ever the man who died on Everest in 1924. Everest, yeah. wow. um, that was that was great. Was Al- like, Alistair, Alistair Crowley seems like an odd subject. Was it just his mountaineering angle that you focused on, or his other stuff? <laughs> um, well, that was it. Was quite interesting, really. I I I I I joined the Inverness Mountaineering Club many years ago, and Alistair Crowley they they'd adopted him as sort of their patron. Uh, and and I didn't know much about him, and nobody did when I asked them really. Mm-hmm. And I started to study him and, and to look at what he'd done. And actually, Crowley is actually a very uh, f- a fascinating guy. Um, he he's probably the master of bad press. He's he, mm-hmm. he's created. A, there are as many rumors about Crowley as there are truths. And he didn't really dis. He quite he quite enjoyed all the notoriety, so he didn't dispel a lot of these things. So there's all kinds of rumors about him but i did discover that probably he was in his day um one of the most foremost mountaineers of his time and was well ahead of his time in many ways so he's a, a complex individual just i just got interested in what he'd done yes also known as the wickedest man in britain i think uh, at the time um, oh a bit I, bigger than that the wickedest man in the world <laughs> 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 yeah, well again just to show you how cruel i am to my children I remember when we moved uh, here, or they were, we're talking about 25 years ago at least, and my kids were very young, and I was telling them about, for some reason, about Alistair Crowley and telling them about Boleskine House, where he lived. Uh, and we drove down there um, in a kind of autumn evening as it was getting dark, and I said, well, there's the, there's the gatehouse, there's the there's the pillars leading up to his house. Over there's the churchyard where he's reputed to have built a tunnel and so forth, um, really into the occult, witchcraft, Satanism. And then I pretend that I couldn't get the car started again. <laughs> boy, boy, that freaked them out. <laughs> I'm sure you had no trouble after that. <laughs> anyway, if you think that's evil, wait till you uh, try our five ways to well-being Challenge, are you up for this? John? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, Nicola, take you through your paces to find out what kind of lifestyle you lead and <laughs> uh, and whether you're going to live forever, I suppose. <laughs> so okay. there are five questions in this short quiz. And if you could give me an example of each of these that you've done in the past week. So the first one is connecting with others. And this week, now that's one thing I'm very bad at, you see, being a, being a writer is a very solitary pursuit. <laughs> and I'm quite a solitary individual, really. But one of the, one of the things I did uh, this week um, to meet up with a few bo- folk and to sort of enjoy the environment, I went down and volunteered for the McKinch, uh, uh, what's it called, the McKinch Wildlife um, Reserve, the Nature Reserve Nature, down yeah. in, uh, well, in, in, in uh, McKinch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the McKinch down there. And that was that was great. You know, we were oh, cut, cutting down bushes and previously I've been with them planting trees and uh, and you get to meet quite a few folk. And it's just nice to get out with other people and have a little wander around, you know. Yeah, that's cool. brilliant. Connecting with others and connecting with nature. Yeah. Right? That's one point to you. By the way, you do realise if you get more than three, you win one of our prestigious fridge magnets. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, but what an honour. <laughs> There's all to play for. Don't let the pressure get to you. I'll try not to. I'll try. I think to. you'll get this one okay, though. It's a okay. time where you've been physically active. Okay, okay. Well, as you may have noticed, actually, I, I, normally I wouldn't be here. <laughs> but the weather 
has been a bit iffy over this month. So I've not been getting out in the hills as much as I normally do. But this week, uh, I've I've been going to to, uh, Gym 300. I go to the gym quite regularly and uh, do weights and all that kind of thing. So I've been doing that and that, that helps us all keep fit. Uh, I think, although I walk a lot, I think it's also important, if you can, to do a bit of resistance work so that that helps maintain a a strong body, which is actually quite quite handy. Yeah, perfect. Two points. Have you (laughs) learned a new skill in the past week? Oh, you've got me there. I don't think I can't think of anything I've acquired. I'm always learning things, but I haven't acquired anything over the not over the last week. I don't think. No, no. Oh dear. Well, I'm faltering. I'm faltering. <laughs> that, that fridge magnet is slipping from his grasp. <laughs> Have you given to others in the past week? Have you been kind? Have I been kind? Oh gosh, uh, I think I've donated a little bit to to Ukraine actually. Um, oh, which I sort of I try and do that every month uh, at the moment because obviously, well, they're in pretty dire straits, and yeah. so and it's pretty easy to do. But uh, I, I'd, I'd use internet banking a lot, and and, and there's a little uh, even my little site on my on my bank site you can just click on, even if it's a few quid. I think I think the important thing is that you know you, when when something kicks off in the news, there's an urge to help people and people donate. But I think your your urge to do that can can trail off. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to try and win a can to oh, make a donation. Good yeah. It's good. It's a very good prompt, isn't it? You're right. People do forget. Yeah. Now, this last question is all about mindfulness, really. And have you been paying attention to the present moment in the past week? Oh, gosh, <laughs> that's quite a different. <laughs> I'm not really too sure what mindfulness is, to be honest. But um, I, I, I sort of struggle with that in a way, because mm-hmm. um, I find I find writing's quite hard work, you know, and I keep yeah. thinking, why am I doing this? You know, why, <laughs> why don't I just sit and watch the TV or wonder about? But actually, I think I do get quite a lot out of it. I do enjoy the creative process. So uh, and it's great when you finished, you know, so I, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't. I. I, I think um, my my plan really is, is is hopefully to get out a lot more in, in, into wild places when the weather improves a little bit. Um, I think that's a I, that's my great sort of medicine, really. Uh, I do I'm, that I'm sure. As I'm sure writing a book is itself a mindful mindfulness exercise because you do have to be so focused. Oh yeah, and, tell me about and, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually sit down and do it kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah well that's right yeah well yeah de- definitely it takes a lot of you have to stick out and it, it does give you a purpose it's great when you you always and i always know when i'm getting close to the end of a book because i get to the point where i can't stand it anymore and i think the whole thing is, is is a complete waste of time and then suddenly you seem to break through this barrier and you think oh actually no this works all right and suddenly you, you get there so although it's hard work it is quite rewarding you know oh good well that is Three out of five, I make it. I think it was four out of five. Was it four out of five? Oh, it was four out of five, sorry. You're definitely in fridge magnet territory (laughs) anyway. Brilliant, brilliant. John, you have been a a terrific guest. Um, It's good to know you're a close neighbour as well. If you ever feel like popping along to our cheery book club to say hello, please do as well. Um, Remind us again, uh, where is your website? My website is johndburns.com. Uh, my books are uh, on Amazon, but they're also available slightly cheaper through Vertebrate Publishing. Uh, I've written four books. My first one was um, 
The Last Hill Walker we talked about. Mm-hmm. My, my second book, which has done really, really well, is Bothy Tales. And that, mm-hmm. that's, that's a book of short stories based around Bothies. And then I wrote Skydance, which is a novel. And that really is aimed at, at, at raising awareness about what we've, what, how, how we treat the countryside, what we do to it. And then I wrote Wild Winter, which, which was a sort of diary of my time through a winter. So I'm now writing my, my hot tent diaries now. <laughs> is, that, is that the final title or are you still, is that a work in progress? Or? Oh, the, the, the title at the moment, what's the title at the moment? No, no, uh, uh, Starlight and Smoke. That's Aww, the, that, that, that's, that, that, I told that's, you there was smoke. <laughs> <laughs> there certainly is. John, thank you very much for being our guest on Ways to Wellbeing uh, this week. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And that's it from us this yes. week. Uh, don't know when the next one is because you're going on holiday somewhere. Yeah. How dare you? And then you're going on holiday somewhere. Yes, <laughs> uh, we might have to go solo for a couple of weeks. <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much for joining us. And thank if you. you want to know more about uh, the work of our charity, Partnerships for, for Wellbeing, go to p4w.org.uk. Bye for now. Bye. Waste Wellbeing is produced in Inverness, Scotland by Partnerships for Wellbeing, a registered charity.